Yo, 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 what's going on, you guys? It is your favorite video game podcast, the Sticky Buns Podcast. This is your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And we're coming at you. We're going to have a great episode today. I can just feel it in my bones. Episode 68, baby. <laughs> Let's get right into it, Blake. Dude, okay. So really quick, I've got some great news for you, listener. If you have PlayStation Plus, you can get my game of the year right now, Ollie Ollie World, for February. So you got to make sure you grab that title. Oh, it man. is just so fun to jump back in. And if you have any PlayStation friends, you can jump on, see their high scores, and you can kind of chase that high score. And that's something that I didn't have when I played originally. I played on my Nintendo Switch originally, and now that I got it on PlayStation, I didn't really have any friends that were playing it on the Switch, so I wasn't able to utilize that. But there's a whole like screen that says what your friends scores are on the track. So I got to say, Brandon, I hopped on a stream, and I played the whole first world on stream. So if you hop on and play Ali Ali World, you'll be able to see my scores. And you can try and beat them if you want. But Dude, I'm gonna be honest, I, just don't awesome. think, I don't think you got what it takes, man. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I appreciate the challenge. And I also just want to give a shout out to those episodes where we talked about Ali Ali World. Those were some mm. really dope episodes. So dear listener, definitely go back to our older episodes and check out those Ali Ali World episodes. Maybe listen to one while you're playing Ali Ali World. Mm. I don't know. It's just an idea. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. I mean, it was honestly my game of the year last year. I loved it so much. And I'm just so happy that more people get to play it. So if you have PlayStation Plus, make sure you grab that. And hey, Brian, if you want to play it on stream, try and beat my scores. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe a good competition. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I like the fact that it's free on PlayStation. I was more thinking about playing it on the Switch because, you know, that's kind of what you played it on. And also just having it on the go. But, you know, it'd be nice to play it on the DualShock remote and just see what Ollie Ollie World's all about. Yeah, it's actually, I think I kind of talked about this in one of our previous episodes, but I started playing it on the Switch because I thought it would be a great game to have on the go, great game to have on the train, and I got to the point where I just skilled myself out of the game, and I couldn't pull off the combos that I wanted to pull off in handheld mode, and I got a Nintendo Switch Pro Controller. So now I'm out here wrecking it on the the, <laughs> the PlayStation one. So, but yeah, man, check out Ali Ali World. But we're gonna move right along. I got another update for you, Brandon. Marvel Snap. Okay. You've probably heard of it. Brought it up at least once. I've heard of it here, there, you know, a little bit here. There. <laughs> so they added the ability to where you can now duel your friends. Oh, so, okay. I don't know, man, but you gotta hop in. We gotta do it. We gotta duke it out. Wreck me. <laughs> I actually I made a beginner deck, so I made a beginner deck okay. just for you. <laughs> That's good. That's reassuring. Yeah, it's really cool that that functionality is now in the game, and you can just hop in with your friends. I think that's really cool. I really enjoyed Marvel Snap, but when you hop in, you're paired with somebody online that has a competitive rank to you that has a similar cards unlocked so theoretically they could make similar decks so you're really kind of just going up against people that are at your skill level or very close to it and you know sometimes you just might not want that kind of experience so i'm glad that they added more functionality to it i would love to see maybe some more like maybe just like a single player with maybe like you play against the computer or if there's like a story or something 
I think that would be yeah. really cool. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I mean, this game has been a little bit of a breakout success, so I guess you never know. So you've never matched up against somebody that's just absolutely wrecked you in Marvel Snap? I have been beaten bad a couple times, but I've got to be honest. I had this one match where just absolutely everything went my way, and I, I absolutely wrecked the person that I was going up against. I took a screenshot of it. I'm going to see if I can find it. But I was like blown away. I was like, man, like I can't believe that I did that to them. I'm not going to be able to find this. <laughs> I'm sure that's what happened if we matched up against each other. But I, it'd probably be good because you can give me a lot of pointers and well, kind of guide my game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the truth of the matter is I'm playing a different game than somebody that's hopping in now just because of the cards that we have or just on completely different levels. They have tiers. So they've got like a tier one set of cards, tier two, and then tier three. And I think they have like tier four cards as well at this point. I don't know exactly how many tiers they go, but I'm still making my way through unlocking the tier three cards, which is, that's probably where most people are unless you're a streamer or somebody that plays professionally. But early on, I'd kind of been really trying to make decks that were I guess, flexible and adaptable to different situations. And I just got to the point where I was like, I got to start making them around some of the rare cards that I have because other people have rare cards that they're using. And it's like, now I have to like, I just realized that I hit like a certain threshold and it was like, in order for me to have a competitive deck, I got to change up my game a little bit. But I've been doing really well this season. So kicking butt. You should keep playing, man, because I think it's going to be a lot of fun when we get to match up together. Yeah, I got to brush up on my, my Marvel Snap skills, man. And I mean... It's been a while since I've played. There are so many different strategies that you can do, and what really keeps it fresh is they add new locations. So if you've never played Marvel Snap, there's three locations, and there's six turns, and basically you can only play a certain amount of cards per turn, and in the three locations, they affect all the cards in the location. And they're constantly adding new locations. So they recently added one. I mean, they've got the new, the upcoming, oh my gosh, what is it? Like the Ant-Man and the Wasp movie. They had a location kind of themed around. Is it like, what did they call that? that <sighs> it's I'm like, sure we're yeah, thinking we're thinking of the it. same thing. It's like the lab. Oh, they actually, they have a, this is a good example. They have a really cool, if you've seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second one, they have their office building and then they like shrink it down into like a little like keychain. And then they put their office space in their pocket. That's awesome. And that's like one of the locations that you can only play it on like turns one, two, and six. That's really creative. I was thinking more of like the quantum world. Yeah, where like yeah, yeah. You can yeah. get lost in and never come back from. Yeah. It's called, so the new location that they have is called the quantum tunnel. And when you okay. play a card here, it swaps with a card from your deck. So they feature a new location pretty much every week. So this quantum tunnel has really been messing me up because, I mean, some people are able to use it to their advantage, but my yeah. deck, I have to play certain cards in certain orders. So I have to sequentially play a set of cards, which is very hard to pull off. So if that doesn't pan out, I have other strategies, but that's really throwing off my whole strategy this week. And I might actually go back to an older deck that didn't have, you know, a linearity yeah. to it. And I think that that would actually kick butt right now. So it's really fun. It's a fun update. And I'm really glad that they're continuing to add to it. And 
it's cool that you can duel your friends. So, hey, maybe we'll even have to do a duel live. That would be fun for the viewers to see. That would be cool. And I, I've got cool names for my decks. I made one plain with friends, and then I have plain with friends simple. And then I have a couple plain with friends, like based on different strategies. And I, I'm gonna make one that's a Spider-Man themed deck. So. <laughs> <laughs> just all Spider-Man characters, kind of. Yeah, that's kind of the that's plan. True. But I guess we'll just keep moving right along, man. <laughs> on to the next. On to the next thing. Brandon's got a big game to talk about later in the episode, so I'm kind of getting oh, yeah. a lot of my smaller stuff out of the way <laughs> before yeah. we get into that. But let me ask you this, Brandon. Have you ever played a game with gyro controls? That's where you have to kind of move the remote, like tilt the remote kind of. Yeah, it's kind of like motion, but it's not like you're not necessarily like pointing like a Wii remote. So like, I guess if in a shooter, for example, instead of moving the crosshairs with the thumbstick, you move it with kind of like a steering wheel. You kind of like steering wheel the remote and you can kind of snap it to different what comes to mind immediately is Mario Kart. There's an option where you can kind of gyro control your controller to steer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there definitely have been a couple other titles just not coming to mind. But that's definitely a mechanic in games that is a bit different. It's not like in every mm-hmm. game. And it kind of just adds another layer to the gameplay, I feel like. Yeah. So you've never used one in a competitive shooter then? I've never used it in a competitive shooter. I feel like that might be limiting, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Well, so here's the thing. I guess with Splatoon, and Splatoon 1, 2, and 3, I guess a lot of the pro players, they use gyro controls. And I was a little bit skeptical of this. I've never, I mean, quite frankly, I've never really had the ability to try gyro controls. So I recently, I mean, we've talked about it on the previous episode. I recently bought a Steam Deck. And one thing that's really cool in the Steam OS is that you can map the controls to different button configurations very easily. And I think that, I mean, it's just a dream to just be able to, oh, I just want this button to be this button. And I mean, we've kind of talked about this before on the podcast, just like pain. Like, I think I mentioned that it was such a pain to change my control setting for Elden Ring. And I wanted to change it up and I had to go into the settings of the game. Yeah, I do remember that you were trying a couple like button configurations for Elden Ring. Yeah, it just for whatever reason, it it wasn't clicking for me. And then I ended up playing a little bit and I was like, oh, you know what? Actually, I want to switch back. So I switched back to the default. It's just whatever reason, it didn't make sense to me at the time. And I changed it. And in the Steam OS, it's really easy and accessible just to change your button configurations. But one of the options is gyro controls. The Steam Deck supports gyro controls. And I was like, I've never tried this, so I want to give it a try. And basically, the way I have it set up is so if my right thumb is on the joystick, it will not do motion controls. Like, I don't have to be moving it. It just has to be touching. It's very, I guess it can read. I mean, it's worked pretty much every time. It has worked every time I've tried it. So I don't know how exactly it's doing it, but it knows when my thumb is on it. And I mean, I'm sure that there's like some kind of pressure. It's just like not at the neutral position. But when my thumb is on the joystick, I use the joystick to look around. But if I lift my thumb up, I can use the gyro controls. Interesting. And I tried this in Titanfall 2, one of my favorite shooters, a game that we both love. (laughs) And in that there's this kind of training sequence and you can like try out different guns on like a firing range. And... 
I kind of was like, I just want to see how this can work. I was at the firing range and I was like, is it easier to actually move? Like there's like six targets and I was like, okay, I'm going to time myself doing it with the, like the joystick. And I was like, okay, like I've been to a versus the gyro. It was unbelievably faster with the gyro controls. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe how much faster it was. And I was like, I want to try this in the campaign. So I played through a little bit of the campaign with the gyro controls. Right. I mean, I got a little sick <laughs> just because I was like trying to like move my <laughs> Steam Deck around. Like if you can imagine. Just I, heavy, like, a heavy Steam Deck. You're just like I know. I'm like moving it all <laughs> over the place. And I really enjoyed it because I was kind of like normally when I play my Steam Deck in handheld, I'm either on the couch or in bed or at my desk. And I was playing this one at my desk. And I had to like move my chair back from my desk so I could get the full range of motion. And I think that the Xbox controller has gyro control or gyro support. So I might try it with just the Xbox controller and have it like on the TV. I might try that just because it's so easy to configure. But I was kind of blown away by how fast you were able to snap to things in your peripheral. The one thing that it didn't work as well on is if somebody's shooting you from behind, it's slower to turn around that way. But if you, I mean, if you just touch it, snap, and then you can find them. I was really impressed by it. So I really want to try this in the, I don't know if it would let me do it in online, but I might, I might give it a try. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. I'm curious to see what like Skyrim would play like with the gyro control. Or... Yeah, that would be cool. I just got Skyrim on my Steam Deck. So <laughs> it was on sale this week, Valentine's Day special. Dude, I guess it's a great opportunity to ask. I know you got the Steam Deck not too long ago. What are some pros? What are some cons? Like, what are you really... Well, I'm going to keep those a little bit close to my chest because I want to make a YouTube video for our YouTube channel. But right off the bat, I mean, it's really opened up a whole new library to me. It's opened up the Steam library, the computer library. (laughs) It's really honestly incredible just the amount of games that I now have access to and for so much cheaper, so much cheaper. I mean, like, truly, it's one of those things where... There was a game, it was $49.99 on Nintendo, Nintendo Switch online shop. And like they're notorious for not having sales. It was five bucks on Steam on sale. Damn. I mean, like truthfully, like I have probably paid for about half of the Steam Deck just by how much I've saved on sales. I mean, it's also, it's really fun to tinker with. And I personally love tinkering. Like, I mean, I just did that whole like gyro experiment I was able to get an the Epic Game Launcher to launch from Steam from the OS. So basically I had to like go into my desktop mode, you know, get Proton, and which makes Linux emulate Windows so you can run Windows on Linux. And which I didn't know. I've been learning all of this. And I don't know. I just think it's incredibly fun just to tinker with. And, you know, like there's competition for marketplaces. So, for example, I could buy a game from Steam. I could buy it from the Epic Games Launcher. I could buy it from, I think there's like GOG or itch.io. Like, there's a plethora of platforms, which is why they have sales and why the prices are a little bit more competitive. And on the PlayStation or the Xbox or Nintendo Switch, they kind of have a monopoly over the storefront, which until I got my Steam Deck and was like, oh my God, I could go to four or five different stores to buy this game. I didn't really realize 
how much it really kind of is a monopoly. And I think that, I mean, I think that this is something that's going to come up in the next couple of years, these monopoly storefronts on devices, because I mean, right now I think Apple is currently being, or it's currently in litigation with the government over antitrust for having a monopoly on their storefront. So I don't know if they will decide that it is a monopoly on a device, but I mean, right now, if you have an iPhone, you can only get apps from the app store. And I think that just because of that, I mean, I consider it a monopoly. I don't know if, you know, we're going to have a couple different storefronts. I don't know if the Google play store is going to show up on the Apple. I mean, I have no idea how that's going to pan out, but it's going to be interesting. I think in the coming years, just to see where that goes and see if other storefronts are allowed on, on different devices. I mean, imagine a world, Brandon, where essentially the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation, essentially they're, they're pretty much the same. I mean, I know they're different, but they're basically computers that can run pretty much all the same third-party games. Imagine if you had a PlayStation that you could buy the next Xbox-exclusive title from the Xbox store onto your PlayStation. And maybe you wouldn't have as good experience, or maybe it was $20 more to buy it from a PlayStation, you know, but things like that, I think is kind of where it's going to go in the future. That's a really interesting kind of prediction, I would say. And I'd love to see how that plays out. And I mean, personally, my opinion is there definitely is a monopoly. That's my opinion as well. It's, there's certainly a monopoly and it's just a matter of time before, you know, the case is, is won. But I mean, there's been a monopoly on Apple for sure. They just... That's kind of their whole business model, right? Like they're just like mm-hmm. we want to, we want to do everything for the person. We don't want them to escape our their our ecosystem network, or their yeah. ecosystem exactly. So I just want to. I'm curious to see how that plays out. And as far as the Steam Deck and like all these different kind of marketplaces that you can tap into, just seeing how that plays out currently, and you know, you, you saying you can buy a game somewhere maybe on steam's marketplace but then go to that third-party marketplace and find it for cheaper or on sale it just kind of makes the consumer gives the consumer more power which will make the overall ecosystem a little more equitable i feel like yeah absolutely and i can give you a concrete example so there's a game called super rad ray gun have you heard of this this game brandon no but it sounds really badass <laughs> it looks really cool and it's kind of a Game Boy inspired like action platformer where the the protagonist quite literally is like an anthropomorphic Game Boy and their face is like the screen of a Game Boy and they've got like a weird belt and they kind of just look like an action figure but they have like a green color palette and for whatever reason I mean there's thousand reasons why these kind of things happen this game was on Steam it was on everything and the company went under and they lost the ability to keep it on the Steam storefront because I think there are fees associated with it or for whatever reason, that game is no longer available on Steam. So you can't buy it on Steam, but you can buy it on itch.io and it's $10. Now where this money goes, I don't know. <laughs> if, if the company's not in business anymore, I would hope it would go to the creators in some way. But I'm very excited to check this one out and in the video that I'm going to make, I'm going to use this as an example as well but yeah super rad ray gun that is a game that i'm gonna be able to play because i have a computer instead of a closed 
console system. system. Yeah. yeah. So that has kind of really just been really cool. But I mean, it's fun just to tinker with and to lay in bed and play some cool games like the art of rally. I talked about this game last week and I just like truly just like getting into bed and just playing this game. It's kind of just like a top down driving game and you drive through these, you know, beautiful, as Brandon described it, independent game. What was it? Independent game developers engine or something like that. Like unity graphics. How, what, how did you say it? Do you remember? I actually don't remember. Oh man. It was funny. I guess shout out to last week's episode. You have to listen. You'd have to tune in. You have to tune in. But it's basically just like a Unity graphics. And it's basically just like beautiful scenes and you can just drive around. And playing that in bed is awesome. Yeah, I guess more on this later. But it's been a blast. I'm really happy to have it. The Harder Rally. It comes back again. I truly, man, like I've really been having a blast with that. And I think... I mean, it's really fun. You learn about the history of the sport of rally, and you also, you know, are driving around these beautiful sceneries. So, I don't know. I don't really, like, get super into driving games, but I've really been enjoying this one. So, definitely check it out. But, yeah, the Steam Deck has been great, man. I love to hear that because, I mean, it definitely was a bit of coin. So I love it, to hear it that was, you're getting it was. your return. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a computer. It's a computer that has controls on it. So it's essentially just like a big computer toy. <laughs> Are you saying you also put Windows on it? That's hilarious. You know, they're working on a... They have not released it, but they're working on OS that's going to allow you to dual boot Windows and Linux. It hasn't been released yet. It may never happen, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed because that would be so cool if I could just hop over to Windows Open up some Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, I'm. <laughs> you very well could. I think you can at this. I mean, there are people that have done that, but you have to set up a partition on your SSD drive for Windows. I don't. One, I don't know how to do that, and I don't really want to go through it because the hope is that they will push an update through where it will make that a little bit more accessible. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, Steam, you guys get that done because. That sounds really, really cool, being able to just switch OS like that. It opens up a whole plethora of opportunities to the consumer. Yeah, it really does. It would make it really cool. Yeah, it's been fun. I've got some Game Boy Advance emulation running on this thing, so it's been a dream, man. But, dude, I'm ready to hear about your game. Dude, I'm excited. Oh, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Shoutouts to Port Key Games for, <laughs> you know, really spending their time and Going on this endeavor it really is a passion project. A lot like this podcast, you can tell they didn't go through the normal development process to make this game. And I mean, it's been in the media a lot as of late. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. It's going to be Hogwarts Legacy. I'm just going to come out and say it. It's a hell of a game. I've been a Harry Potter fan since as long as I can remember. My mom and I would kind of just go and see the movies in the theaters as they came out. I read the books. It's a great, great kind of universe. If you've never gotten to Harry Potter, I totally recommend it. And yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. It's honestly it's so a great fun. game. I've been spending a lot of quality time in Hogwarts, getting familiar with the mechanics and the characters. You can tell a lot of time has gone into creating the world. Like literally every part of Hogwarts is mapped. Like you can go down to like the Chamber of Secrets, or you can 
you know, go, you go down the to the dungeons. Exactly. Literally every part of this world has been mapped. So let me ask you this. What house did you pick? Well, I didn't pick a house. I got sorted. Oh, you let it pick one for you. Yeah, I let the That's sorting cool. hat What'd you get? Up. So the way it works is they kind of ask you a couple questions and they determine that I'm very intelligent, very keen, and they sorted me into Ravenclaw. Hell so. yeah, my guy. That's the one I'm going to pick when I get it. Awesome. Awesome. Dude, so. That's a great, that's a great, oh, that makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I also, I made an, a second playthrough where I'm playing as Tom Riddle. See so if you know. Oh, shit. If you know who Tom Riddle is. <laughs> so that one I got sorted into Slytherin. Oh, man. Um, the chaos, the chaos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so every part of Hogwarts is mapped, as well as like outside really well-known common areas like Diagon Alley, you know, like the commerce areas. Oh man, that's just so cool. As well as a number of great spells. I was having a discourse with one of my classmates last week about the number of spells. He was kind of upset that there were only 21 spells. I think it's 21 or 23 he was like, there's so many more spells. He was kind of upset that they could only put that number of spells. <laughs> but honestly, Blake, I'm not that upset about it. I'll take what we can get. So is that. it kind of like an Elden Ring build? Like you got to pick and choose a couple of spells you can only equip at a time? Or or do you kind well, of like build out a The way it works character? is you have four spells at the readily available to you. Mm-hmm. Triangle, circle, X, square. And you can kind of select what those four spells will be you actually have access to all your spells at once so so you can like kind of go into your sub menu pick the four spells that you want to have ready to you and so far i only know accio accio is like bringing stuff to you an object to you laviosa which is like lifting things up which is great for fighting just lift someone up and then you can like hit them with your regular attacks i know revelio so revealing things and i also just learned reparo so I can repair Oh, nice. You can fix things. You can fix things. Dude, that's awesome. And that's just to start. I've oh, only man. played like maybe an hour and some change of gameplay. So I'm excited to see how it progresses. Dude, that's say? really cool. I was just going to say that like, I mean, we talk about this a lot. Like once you're given tools, you know, tools in a game, like that allows you to interact with the world. And I mean, those four spells, I mean, they all do very different things. I can just think of like just the plethora of puzzles and situations you could be in where you could use those um yep. spells to, to for example in order to unlock repair i had to go on a quest a professor sent me along hogwarts to kind of find these lost pages mm-hmm. of a field guide and i had to like accio the pages into my book and that's how i unlocked repair so yeah it's like it's really interesting how you can kind of interact with the world with these spells it's really exciting i'm so curious to just spend more time and interact with the world some more and something speaking about interaction more on like how this was a passion project you can tell a lot of time was spent onto it there's a lot of little details it's not just like hogwarts so to say like you have the paintings are also included like the paintings that can like talk there's like random spinning globes that you can actually spin the NPCs, you can just talk to random people along Hogwarts and have like a whole conversation, kind of pick their brain, learn new things about the world. Statues that you can kind of interact with and have them, you know, move around. Like there's this mermaid statue that I was around earlier today and you just press square and the mermaids will start spinning. Telescopes, there's like a telescope you can look into and kind of look out into the world. Can you like see the stars and stuff in this telescope? Yes. Do you like study astronomy? 
You can. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, that's fucking cool. <laughs> dude, it's. <laughs> dude, you're getting me. You're getting me hyped to play this. They really spent so much time with this game. You're gonna be surprised, Blake. Like, I, I'm curious how much time they actually spent on it, but you can tell it was a lot. So let me ask you this: How was your character customization? Like, do you get to pick like? What you look like, what you wear, like, do you get to change your wand? Can you change, like, what your wand looks like? Yes, yes and yes. So, character customization is in the very beginning. You, there's a lot of options as far as, like, changing your appearance and details. Shoutouts to Porky Games for really giving a lot of attention to kind of black hair, right? Like, mm -hmm. my hair type is, like, 4C, and there actually are a lot of really good types of, like, 4C hairstyles in the game. And the attention to details there too, like the hair looks really good in the game. Oh, that's awesome. And typically in games, they don't really include that. That's really nice to see. And also as far as the wand, right now I'm using a wand that was, it's kind of like a used wand by my professor. Okay. But I just now was sent by Professor Weasley to go to Diagon Alley with a student and pick out my wand, right? Like have a Oh, wand. that's sick. That's going to be really cool. I'm looking forward to that. That's cool. You'll have to tell me how that goes because I kind of, in my head, I just kind of always imagine, I don't know, like you get like a test or some kind of thing. Like maybe they ask you a couple questions or I think that I'm would gonna be I'm going to tell cool. you how it goes. I'm really looking forward That's to exciting. using the wand for an underground fighting club that I joined. There's, there's a... <laughs> he's an hour into this game. He doesn't even have a proper wand, but he's in the underground I'm in fight the underground club already. Fight I love club that. Getting <laughs> mixy in there, Blake. I've been leviosing oh. my classmates and absolutely crushing them, man. Like oh, I've already man. got some fans. And the wall mechanics are very intuitive. You say you got some fans? Yeah, there's people supporting me, man. They're like, damn, like, this, this kid's he's new, but he's really good at <laughs> I don't know why that got me. <laughs> <laughs> so a little more on the wand mechanics. They're very intuitive. So you just press triangle to protego, which is another spell. It's just like a quick oh, is like, that like a block. Yeah, it's a quick like protect spell. You can do down on the D pad to drink a wiggle worm potion. That's if you know you get your health a little too low, you need to get some health. And then you do like left or, or right on the D pad to select another spell quickly. And man, I'm just having such a great time with like the wand mechanics and just being able to use these spells, I take literally any little moment I can to play and progress through the story, which is something I really like too. It's not a game where you know you have to sit down for an hour or two to really get the most out of it. Mm -hmm. You can go for 20, 30 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, just go to a class and sit down and you know do the class or you can go on a quick quest. It's designed kind of, you can have a quick play through of it because there's just so much to explore and do in this game. And oh, yeah. man, that just sounds so cool, dude. It is. I, Although I'd have one qualm, only one mm -hmm. qualm with the game so far. It's a single-player game. And it's something about this just feels kind of wrong, that it's a single-player game. I okay. can easily see a multiplayer update in the game's future. Like, you already can have a broom. I noticed that there's, like, a, a slot for a broom, so that means I'll be able to start flying around Hogwarts with my broom. Oh, dude. Which means there's the potential for some Quidditch. Oh, dude. Oh, my gosh. That would be like a dream, man. That would be so cool to do. I can see them doing that. You know, I can see them maybe updating it, adding a multiplayer facet. We'll see how it plays out. But even if it's just a single-player game, you know, I'd be happy. There are really no complaints. They did their thing. Again, shout-outs to Port Key Games. They, oh, man. They did a great job with this one. 
Yeah, that is so cool, dude. Man, I am so excited to play this game. I'm going to be honest. I really had to use some self-restraint not to buy this one at day one. And I've decided not to buy it day one because I really want to role play as a student. And that's something, I mean, I'm a full ass adult now. <laughs> and I just kind of look back on my life as a student and I was like, I really miss the kind of the schedule, the free time. And just kind of being told like, oh, like, you know, today we just got this class. Like this one class is this is the most you got to worry about. And it's kind of one of those things that I hated it so much in the moment. But now I've made life choices. I'm very happy with where my life is. <laughs> but it's kind of like just the simplicity of that structure is something that I don't necessarily have. So I'm really excited to play this in a fantasy world that I've always wanted to be in and yeah. just kind of check out that student life role playing aspect of it. So I'm going to pick this game up in the fall when I would have been heading to school. So I'm for whatever reason, that just feels right to me. And who knows, maybe by then they'll have some multiplayer. And maybe by then it'll be on sale, hopefully. We'll <laughs> see, because it's a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people who are just not going to get into it. And I think it's a shame, dude, because it's such a great game. Yeah. It really is. So is this a full $70 title? Yeah, it's a full $70 title. And I so, feel like it was worth it. Okay. All right. That's awesome, man. That's good to hear. Now... How does it make you feel that because you bought it on PlayStation, you're going to get more content than somebody that got it on Xbox? I didn't know that was a thing. Is that like they're giving more yeah, content? They, an <laughs> yeah. they announced that there's like you can, I don't know exactly how it happens, but I know eventually there's like a side quest that you can do in Diagon or not Diagon Alley. No, no, it's not there. It's in Hogsmeade. There's side quests that you okay. can do in Hogsmeade. That you can only do if you buy the PlayStation version. Dude, that's I'm so glad to hear that, but also I feel kind of bad for my Xbox counterparts. Yeah, there's always been this little like beef between them, like where they'll try to like release games early on one kind of thing, and again back on that kind of like closed market system. You know, that's just kind of what happens when you're in those. You kind of have to like suffer or you know stay in the game from being on one side versus the other. It's really yeah. interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. And I mean, it's something that like you lose, you lose no matter what side you're on. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, sure. there's my most anticipated game this year. One of them is Starfield and that's a Xbox exclusive. I mean, I did just get a Steam Deck, so I'm going to play it there. But I mean, I would like to play that on my PlayStation, you know? Right. I mean, it's a Bethesda game, you know, the creators of Skyrim. I'd love to check them out on my home console. And I can do that now that I have the Steam Deck, but... I mean, that's, I don't know, I just think that's kind of shitty. That is kind of shitty, and, you know, we'll probably, this isn't the first time we'll see something like that now, we'll see PlayStation kind of have an exclusive on their thing that kind of, you know, keeps people, so it's just, you know, it's like this back and forth, it feels kind of petty almost, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's just I mean, business. it is what it is, yeah, it is what it is. Now, since the game has come out, I've actually been following it pretty closely, I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited to jump into this, I have heard that players that get put in or pick Ravenclaw have less side quests in their house than other than if you chose other houses. How does that make you feel? There are so many side quests and things to do in this world that I'm sure I wouldn't even really notice it. I mean, I am, I do have my two playthroughs. I have, you know, I'm playing as myself and I'm also playing as Tom Riddle. So I'll kind of be able to <laughs> kind of compare and contrast 
how that plays out. You know, I'm curious to see how Slytherin's side quest will, be, will differ from Ravenclaw's. Yeah, I'll let you know. So progress some more. All right. Dude, I got a piece of uh, some Harry Potter trivia for you before we move <laughs> on to our next segment. I share a birthday with a notable Harry Potter character. I'll give you three guesses. Who do you think it is? Okay, I'm going to say, is it Hermione? Hermione Grange? It's not Hermione. Is it Draco Malfoy? Damn, bro, you went... Look, <laughs> No. <laughs> you thought... No. <laughs> is it Ron Weasley? It is. It is, oh, dude. Me and Ron, we share the same awesome. birthday. March 1st. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm just a, glad Draco wasn't your first choice. No? <laughs> yeah, Draco was not the first choice. Definitely not. All right, man. Well, I'm super excited to hear more about this game as you play more through it. Gosh, that's, I mean, like, honestly, dude, when you're talking about it, I just had the biggest smile. That's just so exciting. I'm happy that it turned out. You should out. see my friends list. Like, it's like literally all Hogwarts Legacy, Hogwarts Legacy, Hogwarts Legacy. Like, everyone is, <laughs> it's captivating people. You know, it's a great game. I'm stuff. really excited to jump into it. But I guess this is going to bring me on to my next segment, which I'm hoping will be kind of brief. Last week, we spoke about No Man's Sky, and I feel like I didn't quite do it justice, so I wanted to bring it back up again. So I guess if you're not familiar with No Man's Sky, it came out 2014, 2015. It came out a while ago. And, you know, when it came out, it didn't exactly live up to the marketing and hype around it. And there's a lot of backlash. And it kind of, if you've been following gaming recently, it was very much akin to like a cyberpunk kind of release. A lot of people got refunds. It was not received very well. And just over the years, they have not only made good on everything that they said they were going to do, they have just completely surpassed it. And they have just made it into such an amazing game through update after update year after year and they have just completely changed the game and it is just such an awesome game just to hop into and there's a great community around it however under all of that it is still a survival game and you have to like mid-max your resources you have to have inventory management you have to play the game kind of strictly in the beginning in order to get to this point where you're like a space traveler and you can do whatever. And in this update that I, I spoke about briefly in their most recent update, they basically gave you the options to change all of the accessibility, which I mentioned before, but I didn't, I guess, explain what that meant. So for example, me and Carter, friend of the show, we were playing some multiplayer and we got sucked into a fight and we were like, man, I don't really want to fight these guys right now. Like we just wanted to explore this planet and we just got sucked into this fight and we couldn't leave. We couldn't escape. We had to continue the fight and we were doing well. And then it kind of just, it kind of drug on for a couple of minutes and we were just like, man, like this sucks. Like we were exploring this planet now we're in space trying to run from these guys and and we're still in this fight and we're having fun and it went from us having fun to like dude i can't repair my ship anymore i don't have any more resources like and he's like dude i'm broken down like i'm about to die like what is even going on right now and there's like sensors 
flashing. My starship is just beeping at me like sirens are blaring and like lasers are going past and like they're damaging my ship. Like it really, I mean, it was very immersive, but I was like, oh my God, I don't want this right now. And we kind of just went into our settings. We changed it to where everything was free and I was able to just repair my ship and then blast these guys. <laughs> and then afterwards we did some more exploring and went to a space station and because everything was free, we were like, oh my gosh, like this is one of the coolest ships I've ever seen in the game. Oh, dude, we can just buy this right now because everything's free. <laughs> and then I went down to, we went down to like Carter's planet and I built this like elaborate structure that took, I mean, it wasn't all that elaborate, but like, because I didn't have to actually pay for like the cost of the building. I was just able to just like pop up this huge monolithic structure and I was like, man, this is what the game could be at the end of it. At the end of it, you have like all the abundance of these resources. You can do whatever you want. And, you know, you can really just jump into this and role play as a person in a space sim and not have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about hydrogen for fuel or oxygen for your spacesuit. You can just go in and completely tailor make this to where it is truly the dude, you can just do anything because it's a video game. And like it kind of removes that whole strict structure of the survival game if you choose that. And it just became a totally freeing experience. And Carter had said something during our playthrough. He's like, oh my gosh, it's like cheat codes. It's like we just unlocked all the cheat codes and we can just do whatever in the game. I don't know. It was just so much fun, man, just being able to do that. So... If you played No Man's Sky and you're like, you know, I kind of bounced because it was a little challenging or maybe I didn't necessarily know what I was doing, like, or maybe you just got sick of the game telling you your backpack was full, like now is absolutely the time to jump back in because you can just turn that right off in the accessibility settings, like just make the economy free. And I, I had some hesitancy to this when I tried it originally, I changed the economy from normal to cheap i didn't make everything free and because i was like oh i still kind of like that like sim element of it i still kind of liked the the gathering resources and i can still do that i just everything is free so <laughs> i think that it really just changed the game and if you've been thinking of jumping back in now is absolutely the time and i'm also really excited because like i said this game came out a long time ago they've been pushing out these updates for free for anybody that bought the game. They kind of said that this was their last update and that they were moving on to their next project, oh, which I man. just think is really exciting. They kind of made the game. They gave it like a last like, I feel like... I feel like they gave it a gift. Yeah, they gave anybody the gift of getting into it. If you jump in now and if you, you can kind of summon this thing that lets you see other players online... A lot of them will have the coolest spaceships. And it's like, oh man, like how am I ever going to find one of those? And it's like, now if you find one of those, like you can just buy it because it's free. Like instead of stumbling across it and being like, oh my God, it's a hundred million. I have a million. Am I really going to grind out to get this? But it's like, dude, you can just get it right now. So <laughs> It's really awesome. It kind of feels like it's the last hurrah for the game. And they really made it so that it's easy for anybody to jump in and 
I just think that's really cool that they did that. So that's really nice of the developers to do, especially considering, you know, the time that we live in where you could easily just charge people to, you know, you see a spaceship you like, well, you can just go in game and put currency mm-hmm. in there and have people pay 50 bucks for that spaceship. And they yeah, just decided absolutely. to, you know, what, like you guys can just fully interact with this world that we created. And I think that's beautiful. And it speaks to kind of a, you know, just a, a different kind of mentality in, in the video game industry than I feel like a lot of other industries as far as like accessibility and kind of just allowing people to experience things that they otherwise wouldn't be. So shout out to them. Yeah, I mean, like truly the video game space that we live in, it's littered with microtransactions that don't necessarily provide value to your overall gaming experience. And it kind of sucks. And we've all been there. We've all bought something or been like, man, that is such a cool item. I wish I could use this in-game currency instead of my hard-earned cash. You know, I already bought the game. Like, why do they want me to spend more money? And we've all kind of had, like, it just kind of makes you sick to your stomach when you have something like that. So, I mean, for them to do this, it's it's really awesome. And I just looked it up. Since the game was released, they put out 21 major updates. Wow. And I think, it, here, let me double check when it was launched. That sounds like a hardworking team. 21 major updates. It's insane. And then to, like, at the end, just... Be like, hey, you guys can do whatever you want. I think speaks to just the people that work there and their kind of attitudes towards what a game should be. You know, they could they could have been very predatory and made a lot of money there. But yeah, and I mean, they do some really cool things in this game that had never been done before. I mean, like it's a whole universe. Like you can explore an entire universe. Like since it's procedurally generated, it does not have an end. And I think that that's really cool. And procedural generation is something that's really kind of cool because when you start it up, like you and me, we're going to be on totally different planets. We're going to see totally different things. And we're going to start with the same ship. But then as soon as we start branching out, you know, like we're going to encounter totally different creatures and fauna and that's kind of, you know, what's the selling point of this. And it's really cool because I can be walking on a planet, summon my spaceship, jump in my spaceship, thrust up out of the atmosphere, and then just go to another planet, land the starship, and do something on the next planet. Like, that hasn't really been done in an open world game. Like, you can't just go from ground to planet. It's just so cool that, or from ground to sky. It's really cool that they did that. And I just double-checked the release date. They released this game in 2016, and they put out 21 major updates, you know, from 2016 to 2022. I just think that that's incredible. I just think that's nuts. Like, I mean, that's, what is that, six years? They were actively, you know, pushing out updates on this for six years. And, yeah. I mean, we live in a, a world where live service games, you know, like Fortnite, they charge, you know, $10, $12 for six months of content so for them to do that it's just insane and i do really feel that this game is worth like the full like it's 60 dollars i think it's worth every penny of that i mean you can pick it up for cheaper like if you get a disc used but man i just really impressed by that who's the developer here again it's hello games 
Hello they actually games. started as an indie project, indie team, and just grew in scope and scale with the success of No Man's Sky. So it just really feels good to shout them out just because they've done so much work on this. And Seriously. it's really so it's such a fun game. And it's one of those ones where it's a, it's a multiplayer game that four people can play. And I have a group of buddies that we've been playing. We kind of all found a time in the week where our schedules kind of line up and we we've been playing some free games and then we all kind of decided like maybe we should buy a game like what should that game be and i convinced them to get no man's sky so you might hear some more about this from the future from me just because i don't know i might be playing it more from a multiplayer aspect instead of a single player one so i'm very excited to continue that that journey i'm excited to see kind of what else you encounter in the game now that you have that ability and that there's probably so much more to the game that you've yet to even kind of encounter and interact with. Oh, for sure. Like six years of updates. Is- I know that you can get mechs and I just, I oh, want a mech, dude. Like I Titanfall know, kind of? Like Titanfall mechs. I know that you can like <laughs> oh, summon sick. those and walk around. So dude. that would be like a fantasy dream for me to have like a fleet of mechs that I could, <laughs> I don't even know. That just is like a dream of mine just to have a mech. So, <laughs> very excited for that. I hope I can make I'm that excited up. for you. But, well, we have one more topic before we end it up today, and that is the Nintendo Direct. Brandon, did you watch this? It was this past week. A lot of stuff happened. Yeah, man. And the game that I was most excited for, besides, you know, Breath of the Wild 2, that's a huge, <laughs> huge, absolutely huge. That trailer was to die for absolutely beautiful well done i saw metroid prime remastered mm-hmm. and i had a great time with that game initially did it come on the gamecube i'm pretty sure that was on was it the wii no it was before the gamecube i think i might have played it on the ds if i'm not mistaken okay. okay like a remaster on the ds mm-hmm. just remember playing metroid prime and mm-hmm. Just seeing that they remastered that title is, is really exciting. It's 40 bucks on the Nintendo Switch online shop, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. And I want to get my hands on that, play that, and talk about that on the pod. <laughs> what are some of the titles you were really excited for? Yeah, I mean, that one's really interesting to me. I've never played Metroid Prime, but I'd be really interested in that. Cause it's kind of like Nintendo's take on a first-person shooter. And, you know, for better or worse, like I feel like a lot of the games that I play are from the AAA space are first person shooters and I think it'd be really cool to see what Nintendo could do there but that's not the one that stood out to me the most I mean we kind of talked about it a little bit on the show before and just wishing that Game Boy Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance would come to Nintendo Switch Online and dude I am just so happy (laughs) that these games are finally on Nintendo Switch Online they have two classic collections now they have the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color kind of grouped into one, and they have the Game Boy Advance. And you can only get the Game Boy Advance if you're a Nintendo, is it Nintendo Switch Online Plus, whatever their Plus service. So I caved and I got that. So I'm now a premium Nintendo Switch Online member. So I'm <laughs> so I could play those games. But they had one that just I think I may have mentioned this once on the podcast before, but. I am just so ecstatic that I get to play it, and I'm I'm about halfway through it right now. I've been playing it all this past week. It's The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap. 
Ooh. I was going to ask, what are some of the older titles that you were really excited to play on, the GBA titles? Well, this is probably my the one that I want the most. They're the one that I wanted the most that I just didn't think it was ever going to happen. And I just wanted to play this one so bad. So this one in particular um, has a very interesting story just because of the development and how Nintendo has released it. So Brandon, there have been three ways to purchase this game since they released it on the Game Boy Advance. Would you like to venture a guess as to the three ways you could buy the Minish Cap? Or the Legend of Zelda, the Minish Cap? Through like a second-hand dealer, someone who's reselling... So it's the original GBA cartridge, which is like $200 right now, which is just crazy. So that's kind (laughs) of off the table. Take a guess at the other two. The other two would be... Honestly, okay. I, I have no clue, but you just have to... So you could get it if you had a Wii U. You could buy this if you had a Wii U. You could get it from the Wii U eShop. And you could only play it on the Wii U. Interesting. Or you could be a member of a 3D ambassador program. 3DS ambassador program. Do you know what the 3DS ambassador program is, Brandon? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> so this is wild. This is really, honestly, probably just like the height of the weird Nintendo decisions and like things that just make absolutely no sense that Nintendo just happens to do. So the Nintendo 3DS ambassador program was launched for the Nintendo 3DS. And this was, I guess program was created for people that originally bought 3DSs at $249 before they dropped the price 169 so originally when the 3ds launched here let me see when it released to give you a better timeline so are there only a select like six titles for the gb so i'll I'll read them all to you because this is just wild this is just honestly this is just a wild thing brandon (laughs) so the nintendo 3ds released in february of 2011 and So that's in February. They released it for $249. So basically $250. And nobody bought it because that was an outrageous price at the time for a handheld. And they dropped the price to $170 in August. So, you know, that's five months, basically, that within five months they dropped the price. And if you had bought one of those, you had to register prior to when they released the price drop. You had to register online, and then that 3DS, that physical 3DS, was grandfathered into something known as the Ambassador Program. (laughs) And with this Ambassador Program, basically the only way to get these games was either you got them or you had the ability to buy them from the eShop. And there were 20 games, 20 games that you could get if you were part of this Ambassador Program. And they included Super Mario Bros, the first Metroid, the first Legend of Zelda, Legend of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, Balloon Fight, Ice Climbers, NES Open Tournament Golf, Donkey Kong Jr., Yoshi, Wrecking Crew, Metroid Fusion, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, Mario Kart Super Circuit, Yoshi's Island, Super Mario Advance 3, WarioWare Mega Micro Games, The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap, Fire Emblem and the Sacred Stones, Wario Land 4, 
F zero maximum velocity and Kirby and the amazing mirror. So, <laughs> so you could play all those titles on the GB, a few, the 3ds ambassador program. The way I understand it is that you had the ability to buy them. You did not get them. So you still would have to shell out a couple dollars for each of these. And here, let me see. Cause I know that these at one point were going for a lot of money. There's this really old Dragon Ball title that I want to get my hands off in it. I'm pretty sure it's a GBA game. And I'm kind of sad that they didn't include that in the GBA. There's only like six titles that you can play. Yeah, there are not very many at the moment. But I think that they're going to add more in the future. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. So you could buy a normal new Nintendo 3DS for $500 right now. That's just a normal... It's a normal new 3DS. It looks like there's an ambassador program. So it's a Japanese console that is part of the ambassador program. That's also $500. They also have another one for $400. So that's kind of like if you wanted to get a DS that was grandfathered into these, into this ambassador program, you're going to have to basically buy the equivalent of a PlayStation 5. And... You know, for some people, that's worth it. I mean, that's 20 classic games that you do not have access to unless you were part of this. And I've really been upset with this for a while because there was Yoshi's Island Super Mario 3 Advance. That's a Game Boy game that I had as a kid. I don't have the cartridge anymore. And that's something that I would love to have played on my 3DS. And same with The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap, but it just was not available. So... I am very happy that The Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap is available on Nintendo Switch Online service, and, and I've been playing it, which has been really cool. So, heck yeah, are you playing it right now? Yeah, I'm playing it right now. <laughs> Started heck it. yeah, man. I had to download it. It's been so long, and I haven't like touched my Switch. I wanted to see it firsthand. I really wanted this Dragon Ball game. I had so much fun as a kid playing that game, but... We'll see. Hopefully they bring it back. Yeah, they might bring it back at some point. I mean, there are a couple that I think they have Mario Kart, the Super they Circuit. Have Mario Kart. They have the Super Mario 3. Mm -hmm. They have. They've also announced some other games for the Game Boy Color that they're announcing, which is kind of like Oracle of Seasons, Zelda Oracle of Seasons. That would be really cool to check out on this service. And I don't know about you, Brandon, but there is a, a glaring omission for me when I think about the Game Boy Library. I mean, there's no Pokemon games. And you could argue, and I would argue, that the Pokemon games really kind of made the Game Boy the console that it is today. And I mean, when I think of the Game Boy, I think of Pokemon. And I think of the link cable, I think of trading. I mean, what about you, Brandon? Does that kind of speak to you? It definitely does. When I think about the Game Boy, I actually didn't get to play like with the Game Boy Advance, so to say, but I did play with a lot of the Game Boy cartridges mm -hmm. on the DS, right? Because you yeah, yeah. put those right in there. And that's where I had access to all of the Game Boy games that my uncle had been playing on the Game Boy Advance. He was five years older than I am, so mm -hmm. he's always playing those. And yeah, I really got to explore a lot of different titles. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that they put some Pokemon games on there. That would be cool. I'm really excited for that. I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I feel like it's got to. There is some speculation on the internet that <laughs> that these might come out on like a Pokemon day, which I think is in May or April, that they might announce something like that. But, Dude, would you mind if I talked a little bit about the Minish Cap? 
and then we can end up this. No, this go, no. go for it. So what's really cool about the Minish Cap is, I mean, it's a fantasy world. And I mean, if you're starting this up, Brandon, you'll, you'll see this immediately. Like the pixel art is timeless and it just looks amazing. It just looks so clean. Like you kind of just get in, you know what everything is and it has a very unique feel to it. The color palette is is great and the just the feel that you get when you walk around is very picturesque and fantasy and it's top down and there's been a lot of games recently that have come out that have tried to replicate this top down pixel art and I just think that this is one of the best examples of what pixel art could be, you know, from the time. And I guess if you have a second, like maybe look up what the Minish Cap looks like if you, you know, just look at some screenshots. I just love the way it looks. And there's something about the game that once I started playing it again, I, I played it as a kid, it just sparked my imagination. And I guess I didn't realize how influential this game was to me until I started playing it. Because one of the core mechanics is there's a whole world that is miniature, hence the Minish Cap. You shrink down in size and you get to explore this world through the lens of being tiny. So you kind of shrink down and there's this whole world, there's like a civilization of elvish creatures and they're the size of a fingernail. And they live and they have these huge societies and cities and some of them are inside the other cities in Hyrule. Some of them are inside, you know, this forest and they're just so far away from everything. And some of them are in a mine on a mountain. These miniature villages, you kind of shrink down and it's cool because you can shrink down and solve puzzles and it's a cool gameplay mechanic. But what's really cool is when you shrink down, there's this really awesome animation and you kind of get to walk through a corridor and it's got god it's just so cool it's just very picturesque and like there's twigs on the ground you have to like walk around the twigs and you can kind of see these humongous clovers that are just overlapping and hanging over you and it's it just really sparked my imagination as a kid it was very evocative that there's this hidden world out there amidst our world and i just thought it was so so fun at the time, even though I didn't make it very far in the game. I just am now just completely blown away. It's I feel like it's unlocking memories that I had lost. And I'm just so excited that I get to play it again. Oh, man. Kind of like, it's like a time capsule in a way. Like it encapsulated that era in time. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it really did. And it's something that I never got to experience the full thing. So I feel like I'm getting even a more enriched experience playing it, so. I am just so thankful to have access to this game again. And I think it just, it kind of, to me, it just proves that we should have access to all games. Seriously? Because this is something it's, I mean, it's had such an incredible impact on me. I just would love to play other games from my childhood as well. So. The Minish Cap. I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. I have it. So, and I agree. It looks very, like, you could tell it was about from 2004, 2005, but it still looks very very yeah like something about it just kind of yeah the the style i mean it's very timeless i mean it was confined to the limitations of the game boy advance but the art style is very timeless in a way that i just think works and you know we see nintendo do that quite a lot like breath of the wild 
it may be one of the best realized 3D open world games. But I mean, the Switch just cannot compete with the other consoles, you know, when it comes to power. But just because of the art style and the optimization, it's able to function, you know, through its art style that is, I think the best way to describe it is timeless. And I'm just really excited to play more of it and for you to play it as well, Brandon. (laughs) I'm excited to play it as well, Blake. And we should definitely talk about it in a future episode. Absolutely. I'm very excited. I won't touch on it here, but I think that there is a reason why it's only available for purchase three times until now. So very interesting. Very interested to kind of maybe speculate on that a little bit. (laughs) Me too. I'm curious. I want to ask, but save it for another episode. We should save it for another time. All right. Well, hey, this has been another episode of the Sticky Buns podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. You can support us by following us on Instagram or TikTok. Um, And I think we want to give a special shout out to our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting us. But the best way that you can support us is just to share it with a friend. Share with a friend that maybe likes video games. Maybe they like the Game Boy Advance or maybe they're just new to video games. And just share with a friend. It would really mean the world to us. And that's the best way to help us out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you guys. Yeah. See you next time. <laughs>